Well, good morning. And uh, congratulations to those of you who got here on time for the first time in a long time. That was awesome. Yeah. Hey, an honorable mention for you who came in five minutes earlier than you normal, normally come in. Uh, we are on our way. That's a uh, good job. Uh, my name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors here. And got a, a couple announcements before we go into our time of teaching. First of all, about twice a year we do a... Uh, uh, kind of a major recruiting for our children's ministry. Obviously, our children's ministry, one of the most important ministries in the church as we, we bring our children up to know the Lord and to experience Him. And, and so about twice a year, we do a, a recruiting for that. Inside of your program, there's a, uh, a kind of a yellow sheet, uh, colored sheet. You take it out, it tells you a little bit about that ministry. Um, to run this ministry, it takes 240 volunteers. And uh, the reason it takes so many is because you only serve half time like every other week. And, uh, and if you get involved, then, of course, we provide you with everything you need uh, from the training. Also, we'll give you a free CD of the, the weekend's message if you don't want to come to both church and, and you can't do both church and that that weekend. Uh, so you can stay up with the series. Um, and you can see there, on the, uh, we need all kinds of people that, you know, we need storytellers and we need uh, uh, just greeters and we need kids that are helping in the classroom. We need kiosk welcomers so when our new people come that we can uh, help them kind of go through the kiosk and get checked in and just be very welcome. And so all kinds of, you know, worship teams and tech teams and all kinds of things. And so there in the back, it shows you some of our current, uh, kind of the number of people we need in each service. And so uh, we're praying that God would just uh, speak to some people to meet these needs as we kind of every six months kind of re-up and bring in some more people to this ministry. Uh, if you're looking for a place to, to make a difference, it's a great place. So there in the bottom of, that, um, of your, your, that little insert, it's a place for you to tear out, write your name down, and then at the end of the service, you can turn that in. Um, also, you can go online and sign up that way, and it tells you how to do that. So that's number one. Number two, uh, about two or three times a year, we do a uh, uh, kind of a course here. It's just a two-week course, and it's called The Movement at Rocky Peak. And it's a, it's a course that kind of explains our vision and our values as a church and also our strategies for growth and how we want to grow as Christ followers. And so it's a two-week course. It's on Sunday nights. It starts in two weeks. Um, I'll be teaching that course. And it's a great way to get connected here and learn a little bit more about Rocky Peak. It's also the course you need to take if you want to become what we call a partner. Or, uh, it's like a, like a member, but uh, you want to partner us in the movement that God's doing here. And so um, you can sign up for that uh, on your uh, uh, connect card today too when you turn in into the services right uh, partnership on that or write the movement at Rocky Peak and we'll we'll contact you with more information. And then real quickly, uh, two weeks we're doing a baptism. So if you if you haven't been baptized, you're a follower of Jesus, that's something you need to do. And of course uh, we're gonna be doing that weekend services. So that's coming up. Sign up for baptism on your card. And then uh, next week is time change. And so I'll see you all at eleven o'clock service next week. Uh, We'll have like 1,400 people here, just like, well, I didn't want to get up early. Uh, but anyway, this is the, that uh, uh, dreaded time of the year. We lose an hour. And so I uh, just want to get, get that on your calendar for next week. You'll need to set your clocks an hour ahead for next week, all right? Okay. Uh, we're going to go in our time of teaching. Y'all ready to go? Yeah. Amen. Let's, uh, let's pray and then jump in. Father, uh, we're so grateful to be here, uh, so grateful to be your people, so grateful for what you've done for us through Jesus, and, and now we uh, are his followers, and you've transformed us. It's something we never deserved. It's something that for many of us we never could have seen coming, but you've reached out to us, and you've called us by name and showed us you have a purpose for our life, and not just for this life, but the next life, and we're excited about that. And Every week we want to gather to meet with you to, to learn a little bit more about what it means to be your follower. And so we pray today as we come in his name, 
that you would teach us, so you indeed would be our teacher. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Our story starts today in 1876, and uh, it's a Wednesday, and he's 71 years old. He's on an ocean liner, and he's a very famous man. In fact, uh, over the course of his life, he's rescued 100,000 orphans off the streets of Great Britain in a time when there's no social services. And so now he's on, a, uh, he's on an ocean liner. He's, it's called the Sardinian, and he's sailing from Great Britain to, uh, to Canada, where he's going to speak at a conference that Saturday uh, in Quebec. And uh, they're approaching the coast of Newfoundland, and all of a sudden, this, this amazing fog uh, hits. It's just, it's, it's just so, you ever been in fog like that? You just can't even see in front of your face, like in front of your car, whatever. It's, it's that kind of a fog. And, and the, uh, the ocean liner is forced to, to stop to a crawl. And it's so bad that the, the captain's up on the bridge for 24 hours straight because he's just so afraid of running into something. And so the rumor starts spreading on the, on, you know, through the, throughout the, the ship that we're not going to make it there in time. In fact, we're going to be many days late because like, we're losing all this time. And, and so our 71-year-old, he decides he needs to go and talk to the captain. Well, today we're, uh, we're continuing the series that we've been in uh, for the last, what, since June now. You know, it was really, it's so inspiring. This week I read an article, it was about a church that took 18 months in the Gospel of John, and I'm just so inspired that we're on a faster pace <laughs> than that. I just, I think it's just a credit to, you know, being from California, a little faster on the uptake, whatever. But uh, anyway, uh, the series, for those of you who are brand new, it's called Revealed. And it's a study in the life and teaching of Jesus uh, through, as seen through the eyes of one of his closest friends, closest followers, a man by the name of John, who was um, uh, one of his uh, followers. And he wrote a book called uh, the, the Gospel of John. It's in our uh, New Testament. And so we're, a series, we're studying the life of Jesus. We're actually in the third mini-series in this overall series. It's there in front of your note sheets. If you're just new, I want to get you oriented. It's called The Spirit and the Assignment. It covers John 13 through John 17. These are five chapters that take place the last night that Jesus is with his men uh, before he's arrested and taken into custody. So that's the setting. Now today we come to John chapter 16, the second half of John chapter 16, where Jesus is going to give his final instructions to his men. Next week we go into John 17, which is actually a prayer of Jesus. So the end of John 16 is actually the final instructions before he's going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, at least in the Gospel of John. And so if you have your Bibles, open them up there to John chapter 16 and verse 16. And we're going to go through here to the end of the chapter. John 16 and verse 16. Uh, In a little while, Jesus is talking now, in a little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while you will see me. Now, uh, Jesus has been talking to his men about a lot of things this evening. One of the things he just got through talking to them about last week, if you were here, we talked about the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. So we just talked about that. Now it's a new topic on the table. And the topic is his death and resurrection. That uh, what he's saying is that, uh, you know, he's about to go to the cross. Now, his men don't really understand this. 
And I think this is hard for us to, to get because we're so familiar with the story of Jesus, even if this is your first time ever to church, you at least know that the, he went to the cross, death, resurrection, Easter, we didn't get that. It's so core to Christianity that it's like hard to even imagine it not being part of Christianity. But at this time when he's talking to them, remember this was a brand new concept to them. For the last few months, he's been telling them he's going to go to the cross, but they just don't get this. They can't wrap their hands around it. Remember, it was just four days earlier. This is Thursday night. He's talking with him Thursday night. Um, it was just four days earlier on Sunday that he's, he's coming uh, into Jerusalem, riding on the donkey to the praise of the crowds. It's like a rock star kind of welcome. And so the, the concept of a Messiah dying is totally outside their, their frame of reference. Messiahs don't die. They come, they take over, they win big, they rule the world, they last forever. That's what Messiahs do. Messiahs don't die. And so this concept of death and resurrection that's so common to us is incredibly, it's like totally foreign to them. They just can't get it. So he's going to begin to talk to them about it again. And this is how he starts in verse 16. In a little while, you will see me no more. I'm going to die. And then a little while, you will see me. I'm going to come back. And so some of his disciples, they said to one another, well, what does he mean by saying, in a little while, you'll see me no more. And then in a little while, you will see me and because I'm going to the Father. So it's just like it's confusing them. I'm leaving. I'm going. You won't see me. You will see me. I'm going to the Father. The whole thing's just confusing to them. And so they're asking one another, notice not Jesus, uh, what does it mean? What does he mean by a little while? We don't really understand what he's saying. And so in verse 19, Jesus says, he sees that they want to ask him about this. And so he can tell us that he can figure this out. They, no one really wants to say, Jesus, um, we don't have a clue again. Um, and so could you please enlighten us? But he can tell they're kind of, do you get it? No, I don't get it. Do you get it? I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's over my head. I don't know what he's talking about. And so he sees this is going on. And so he says, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while, you'll see me no more. And then in a little while, you will see me. Of course, the answer is yes, we would like to know. And so verse 20, um, I tell you the truth, you will weep and you will mourn while the world rejoices. So he's telling them that, uh, yeah, something bad, really bad is about to happen. Um, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, you're gonna be really bummed. The uh, world's gonna be excited. Um, and he says, but your grief will turn to joy. Uh, it's going to be short-lived. It's whatever bad's going to happen. It's not the end of the story. So a woman, and he's going to give an analogy now. He says, a woman gives birth to a child, has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, uh, she forgets the anguish. Uh, footnote, uh, not completely. Uh, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, you women are going, yeah, yeah, right. It's just typical what a man would say. Uh, uh, because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So, so we get this. We've all been there. Or uh, maybe you've, ha- you've known someone's had a baby. Maybe you've, you've, your spouse had a baby. You've had a baby. Uh, you've got a, a, a granddaughter or grandson's had a baby. You've been there. You've been there kind of waiting outside. And, you, and you know, it's tense, right? It's tense. It's nerve-wracking. Uh, for, the, for the woman, she's in great pain. For the husband, he's standing by her, about ready to pass out. Um, goes sitting down because he's about to lose it like I did. And so... Uh, yeah, it's, it's just horrible. And then all of a sudden the baby's born and once you, you get the Afghar scores and you know that everything's fine, then it's all joy, right? It's, it's all joy. And so Jesus says, this is kind of like what's gonna be like you. You're about to go through something very painful, but you're gonna come out and then it's gonna be really a full of joy. And he says, uh, 
uh, verse 22, so with you, now is, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. It's going to be permanent. And so in that day, in other words, after his death and resurrection, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Like right now, you have all these questions. It's really confusing. But after this happens, it's going to get all clear to you. And I tell you the truth, that my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So now we're changing directions. Conversation's changing. He has just said, uh, in that day, you will ask me, uh, you won't need to ask me any questions. So I'll be clear. He brings up this topic of asking. So now he kind of segues into, let's talk about asking. And he begins to talk to him about the power, what I'm calling today, the power of asking. And this is not the first time we've seen this in this last night with him. It's actually the fourth time we've seen this. That he, that he says, as you go forward in my movement, one of the ways we're going to get things done is by asking. And so in verse uh, uh, 23, <coughs> the middle of 23, uh, my father, I tell you the truth, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name, but ask and you will receive. Your joy may be complete. So, so catch this. He's saying, uh, I'm going to die. I'm going to rise. I'm going to return to my father. You're going to continue my movement. And uh, here's how it's going to work. You're going to ask. Uh, you're going to use my name, kind of show my business card. Uh, I'm asking the name of Jesus. You know, here's, we're, we're personal, on a first name basis. Here's his card. You're going to ask, and I'm going to answer, and this is going to lead to great joy in your life. We're going to partner in the future. We're going to come back to that later on. Now, verse 25. Though I've been speaking figuratively, uh, he's been speaking kind of vaguely. You know, I'm going, I'm coming. They're not following. Uh, babies being born and so on. But a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but I will tell you plainly about my father. And in that day, you know, after the resurrection, you will ask in my name. Here he talks about asking again, the power of asking. In that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father in your, uh, in, on your behalf. Says, I'm, I'm not saying that you're going to come to me, and then uh, I'll, you ask me what you want, then I'll go to my dad and get it for you. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, you're going to have your own relationship with the Father. You're going to be able to go directly to him using my name, and you're going to get what you need. And so, uh, in verse 27, know the Father himself loves you because you've loved me and you've believed that I've come from God. So you're going to have your own relationship with God, direct access. 28, so I come from the Father and uh, I enter the world. And now I'm leaving the world and I'm going back to the Father. So now he's getting more plain with them. I've come from, I've come from God. I'm going back to God. And so they like this. In verse 29, the disciples said, now you're speaking clearly and without figures of speech, and now we can see that you, that you know all things, and you don't need uh, to have anyone ask you any questions. We can tell that you know what you're talking about, and this makes us believe you came from God. And Jesus says, you believe at last. <laughs> now, this is funny, this statement, you believe at last, because um, I don't know if you know this, probably don't, but in the Greek language that the New Testament's written in, there's no punctuation marks. Did, did you know that? There's no, there's no punctuation mark. So that means when you're translating a passage, you have to decide from the context like what punctuation to put in. So in this statement, you believe it last. If you have an NIV Bible, New International Version that we use here, uh, what punctuation comes after it? Exclamation mark. Exclamation mark, okay? You believe it last. And so it's like, you believe it last. Finally, you get it. Awesome. That's great. Okay? 
Other translations translate it differently. They put a question mark there. <laughs> you believe it lasts? Really? We'll see. Honestly, I like the question mark better because look what comes next. He says, you believe it lasts? <laughs> we'll see. Uh, a time is coming, verse 32, and has come, it's gonna be within the next few hours, when you will be scattered each to his own home, and you will all leave me alone. This is within hours, you're all gonna run for your lives. So you believe it lasts? Yeah, right. Uh, yet I'm not alone, but my Father is with me. And he says, but I've told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In a few hours, your life is gonna go fall apart. Everything, everything about your life is gonna fall apart. He says, but I want you to know that I'm in this. I want you to know that I'm with you. I want you to know it's part of the plan. And me, I want you to have peace. Um, isn't that a cool thing that when we go through times in our life and our life is falling apart, and to know when, when Jesus comes and says, uh, look, I'm in this. Uh, you don't understand how, you don't understand why, but, but I'm with you, nothing happens to you as my child by accident. And, uh, and I'm in this, and I want you to have peace in me. Not peace in your situation, not peace in your job, not peace in your housing situation, not peace in that relationship. I, I want you to have peace in me. That as crazy as this is, that I'm in this, and, and I'm here for you. And trust me, it's gonna work out. And in me, you can have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble, but in me, you'll have peace. And that's what he goes on to say. He says, in this world you'll have trouble. Remember back in John 15, earlier, a couple weeks ago, he says, if the world hates you, don't be surprised. It's hated me first. He says, my followers, you're gonna have trouble in this world. It's not gonna be easy. They're gonna be persecuted. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In other words, it looks like right now we're losing. It looks like in a few hours I'm gonna arrest it. I'm going to the cross, you're gonna kill me. It looks like we're losing, but trust me, through that cross, I'm actually overcoming the world. And in the end, we're gonna win because of what's happening on this night, you see. So that's the passage. Now, Jesus talks about a lot of things in here, obviously talks about his upcoming death and resurrection, but one of the things he talks about I wanna focus on today is this concept of the power of asking. He talks in here about, as you go out in the future, as you expand my, 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 my movement, um, that I want you to ask for what you need, and whatever you ask for, you ask in my name, and I'm gonna give it. And, and so I wanna focus on that because it's something Jesus has talked about over and over again this last night he's with his men. And if there in your note sheet, you have a section called um, Impact, The Power of Asking. And what I wanna do today in our time together is a couple things. First, I wanna start off by, uh, by giving kind of a big picture principle that Jesus talks about five times in these four chapters that's ex extremely important for us to understand as followers of Jesus today. We're gonna go with the big picture principle, and then secondly, we're gonna end with two important questions, how you apply that principle to your life. So there in your note sheet, you have a section called uh, the impact section, and there's a, the big picture principles there. Let's fill in the blanks. This is something Jesus is gonna say five times in four chapters. I don't want you to miss it. Uh, as we go forward in his movement, we gotta understand this. As a church, we need to understand this, that asking is the way to get things done. According to Jesus, in his movement, Asking is the way to get things done. Now again, let's, let's set the stage. Let's set, set the context. Uh, Jesus is leaving. Um, he's turning over his movement to these men, these 11 men. And, and so he says, uh, I, I'm giving you my movement, 
and I'm sending you out. I'm going back to my father. You're continuing the movement. And so as you go out, here's how we're going to do things. This is how it's going to work. As you go out in my name, I'm, I, I want you to see what, uh, what needs to be done. I want you to ask, and then I'm going to answer. This is the way we're going to partner together in this movement. Now, um, uh, this is really interesting because um, we're moving into the realm of what we typically talk about as prayer, right? I'm calling asking today as one aspect of prayer, but we're talking about prayer. And if, if I were to ask you, like, what's prayer about? Like, as Christ followers, we all know this is a priority, that we spend time with God in prayer. The question is, why do we pray? And I think the, the most instinctive answer that most of us would give is, well, the reason we're supposed to pray is we're to draw close to God. We're, we're supposed to kind of develop our personal relationship with God. That, that prayer is how we share our heart with him. We hear back his heart for us. Prayer is how we connect with God. It's how we stay strong in our faith. It's how we grow. And everything I just said is absolutely true. But here's the interesting thing to me. On this last night that when Jesus is with his men, when he talks about prayer, he never talks about it in terms of relationship. He always talks about it in terms of getting things done. Okay, this is the way we get things done. And so this is what I want to look at. What we want to do today is I want to take a look at these five passages, and I've, purpo I've, I've purposely waited to this point in this series. Like before, as we've gone through, I've kind of just gone over it quickly, but I've never really uh, dwelt there, and that was on purpose, because I wanted to come back at the, after we've gone through this whole section and come back in one, in one message, say, let's look at what Jesus says about this asking thing. Five times he says this in four chapters, and let's see if we can get a handle on this. So uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to walk through those five statements really quickly, but what I want to do before we jump in is I want to give you sort of a summary of what we're going to see. And here's a summary. What Jesus says is, I'm leaving planet Earth. You're staying behind. Your job is to go out and spread the message of my movement. That's your job. And here's how it's going to work. As you go out in my name and you see something that needs to be done, I want you to ask me for it. Because this is going to be a partnership. Because here's how it works. I'm going to the Father, and I'm going to be now the Lord of the universe. I've got all the power in the universe. You're on earth where all the problems are. So I've got the power. You've got the problems. And this is the way we're going to partner together. When you see something that you think that I would want done if I were there, when you see something that if it were done, it would bring glory to my Father, it would honor him, it would show the world what he's really like, I want you to ask and I want you to use my name, show my business card, and, and then I will, my Father and I will answer and together we will partner to change this world. You see, that's, that's kind of the overall principle. Now, let's, take, let's see how he puts it. Let's walk through these five passages. And uh, first one's John 14 and verse 12. You've got them all there on your note sheet. Um, <coughs> let's set the stage. Uh, Jesus has just told them that he's leaving. He said, I'm going, at the beginning of chapter 14, he says, I'm leaving, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back um, and I'll get you so we can be together forever. By the way, you know the, you know the way to where I'm going. And he says, but in the meantime, uh, I've got a job for you to do. And so in verse 12, he says, I tell you the truth, Anyone who has faith in me, in other words, trusts in me, is a follower of mine, relationship with me, he will do what I've been doing, uh, kind of my, my teaching, my living, my, uh, my, my lifestyle, miracles, and so on. He'll do what I've been doing, 
and he will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Now catch this. Remember what we learned last week? Jesus says, when I go to the Father, I will send who? The, whoo, very quiet out there. I'm going to the Father, I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit, right? And so here he's saying, after I leave, you're gonna do greater things because I'm going to the Father. What's gonna happen when I go to the Father? The Holy Spirit's gonna come. And he says, and so what happens, you think of the early church when the Holy Spirit comes about a month and a half after this on the day of Pentecost, what happens? Man, the movement of Jesus begins to expand like lightning, doesn't it? It's like all of a sudden, uh, it never happened like this when Jesus was here in the same way, but when the Holy Spirit comes, I mean, Peter preaches first day, 3,000 people come to Jesus, people are getting healed uh, miraculously, uh, there's new love in the movement, they're, they're selling their, their homes, taking care of one, it's just an amazing movement of Jesus, the teaching, the lifestyle, healing. So this is what he's talking about. He says, after I go, there's going to be even greater things that happen than when I was here. Now the question is though, how does those greater things happen? How how is that going to happen? And look what he says, the very next verse. He says, and I will do, verse 13, uh, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. Okay, so you're going to do even greater things. How's that going to happen? It's going to happen by, by asking. This is how it's going to work. Now notice, I want you to say this at the top, make sure we notice this. Uh, Jesus qualifies this. You know, does Jesus say you can have whatever you want in life? <laughs> no, he puts a couple of qualifiers. I mean, we don't even know what's best for us in our lives, right? How many times have we prayed for things and you look back later and say, man, I'm glad God didn't answer that prayer. You know, like I said before, just think of your high school reunion, the girl you dated. Uh, it, unless that is your wife, and then I'm sure you're very, <laughs> then I'm sure you're very, very happy about that, which now that I think about it, uh, that's kind of my situation. Anyway, um, anyway, uh, but, I mean, we don't even know what's best, right? We, we don't know. We, we, we pray with our best intentions, but we don't, we don't always know what, what to pray for. Let's just face it. And, and, uh, and, and the last thing God wants to turn us into selfish, spoiled kids. You know, it's like everything. We, we're just going to ask and get what. But Jesus puts a couple qualifiers on this. He says, first of all, when you ask, you have to ask in my name. And that, in other words, that means asking for the things I would ask for if I were there. You know, like if, if, I'm, if, if you send me as a messenger in your name, I have to go and represent you, don't I? I, I can't go and say, my, you know, so my boss sends me to go somewhere and to pick up something. I can't go and say, oh, I want something else. I mean, I have to, I'm in his name. I'm operating under his authority. I have to ask for what he would ask for. So we have to ask for what Jesus would ask for as he was here. Secondly, it has to bring our Father glory. Uh, it has to show the world what he's like. You see, so Jesus says, uh, this is how it's going to work. I want you to catch the paradigm. Uh, I'm leaving, you're staying. After I leave, you're going to do even more amazing things. Here's how it's going to work. You're going to ask, I'm going to answer. And so in verse 14, he says, you may ask for for anything in my name, and I will do it. All right, so that's the first first one. But but catch the big picture principle that asking is how we get things done. The next one is in chapter 15. And it's verse seven and eight. Let's set up, the, set up the stage. This is the vine branch passage. 
Remember, Jesus says, uh, I'm leaving, but I'm like the vine, and you're like the branches. I'm like a grapevine, you're like the branches. And my goal in your life is I want you to bear fruit. I, I want you to be fruitful people. I, I want you to live the life I've called you to live. I want you to make a difference in this world. I want you to have impact. And so uh, I'm the vine, uh, you're the branch, and he says the key to bearing fruit is staying connected to me. And the way you stay connected is by obeying my teaching. So, so you get the analogy. I'm the vine, you're the branch, I want you to be fruitful. The key to this is staying connected. The key to staying connected is obeying my teaching. And so in that context, he says in 15.7, I'm the vine, or 15.7, uh, if you remain in me, in other words, stay connected with me, it's the grapevine language, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, catch that, in other words, my teaching remains in your life, you're, you're living in my teaching, that's the idea, then ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. And he wants us to be fruitful as his followers and you're showing yourself to be my disciples. Jesus says, look, I, I've called you to be mine. I want the whole world to know that you're mine by, by the fruitful lives you're living. I, I want you to be successful and I wanna bless your life. And so he says, I'm, I'm all over that. Here's the key, you just need to stay connected. And so uh, he says, you're gonna go out and bear fruit. How's that fruit gonna happen? Well, you're gonna ask. You see, you see the paradigm again? Your job is to bear fruit. How does that happen? You're gonna ask in verse seven. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be given you. This is to my Father's glory, you bear much fruit. So how do we bear fruit? We ask. Once again, we see the paradigm. Asking is the way to get things done. Now, uh, if you ask the question, this, uh, just kind of a further, kind of deeper question here, well, how do, we, how, do we, uh, how do we bear fruit? Notice Jesus says there's actually two components, doesn't he? He says, first of all, you have to stay connected to me if you remain in me. My words remain in you. Now catch this, uh, men, when this is so important. Sometimes we wonder why more of our prayers aren't, asked, aren't answered it's because often, as human beings, we always have this tendency to turn a relationship with God into religion. I'm hoping you're catching this the longer we're taking this journey together here at Rocky Peak, that religion is the enemy of Jesus. Are we getting this? Religion is what put Jesus to death. What Jesus came to give us is relationship. But as fallen human beings, we always have this natural tendency to take relationship and turn it into religion. Even as Christ followers, we do this. And so what happens is we come to prayer and we start looking at prayer as if it's this religious thing. If I just ask a certain way, if I use the certain words, if I use a certain formula, if I ask the right amount of times, in some circles if I say the beads, do the beads right, that we, we that we start thinking of prayer as if it's this magical genie thing where we've got God in the bottle, you know, in the, in the Aladdin's lamp thing, and we're kind of rubbing it and going, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. As if the words in Jesus' name are some sort of formula. I remember uh, once when I was fa uh, fairly new here at Rocky Peak, I had someone come up after the service and they, they were concerned about me, which has happened many times since I've been at Rocky Peak. <laughs> But, uh, but this particular time, it wasn't about my sandals or something else. It was about the way I prayed. And they said, you know, we, they said, we, we really like you. We like your teaching. 
but what really kind of bothers us because when you close into your prayers, you don't say, you don't always say, in Jesus' name, amen. And, and you know, we're supposed to pray in Jesus' name. And you're not saying, in Jesus' name. And so this is sort of the mindset we can get, that there's, there's this sort of this formula that we have to, whether it's the beads or the thing, you know, there's some sort of formula. But can I, can you, what Jesus is saying here is prayer is all about relationship. Like our prayer life will never be better than our relationship. You see, if you abide in me, if he says, if you remain in me, my words remain in you, we're connected, then you can ask. You see, sometimes we wonder why aren't more of our prayers answered? Well, it's like we're often, we're, we're not connected. And this is one of the things that irritates God the most. In fact, in the Old Testament, he would always get upset with Israel because they'd come before him with their prayers, their incense, their sacrifices, but they'd be living for themselves. They're violating everything he's taught, and yet they're coming and saying, God, why, why aren't you answering our prayers? And he says, are you kidding me? Your prayers, they're stinking up the place. Isaiah chapter one, that's where he says, I'm sick of your prayers. I'm sick of your incense. Stop praying. Stop coming to church. I'm tired of seeing you. That's exactly what he says. Isaiah chapter one, I'm sick of this because you're living this double life. You're coming and you're acting like we have relationship and then asking me to do things. We have no relationship. Who are you fooling? And see, as human beings, we have this natural tendency to want to come and ask God to answer our prayers while we're living our own life. And so Jesus says, no, if you want to get things done, the first step is stay connected with me. Follow me. All my teachings, stay connected relationally. Then, then the second step, he says, then the second step is you have to ask. You see? So what I want you to catch is this connection between asking and bearing fruit. Are you with me? If you want to do greater things, how do we do greater things? We ask. You want to bear fruit in your life? How do you do it? We want to ask. Okay, third passage is just later on in chapter 15. It's the same context, fruit bearing. And in verse 16, Jesus says, you did not choose me. He says to his men, I know it looks like you chose me, but I'm the one who actually chose you. That's why you chose me, because I chose you first. Um, he says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit. Catch this. If you're a Christ follower here today, you're appointed to bear fruit. God wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to, to live the life he's called you to live. Make a difference. That's his, that's his calling. And he says, fruit that will last. In other words, fruit that will last for the whole next life. This is the cool thing about being a follower of Jesus, that what we do in this life lasts forever. And so the things we invest in, the things we serve, whatever, they have the, the potential to change eternity. And so he says, we've been called to bear fruit the last. But then look what he says. So how are we gonna bear this fruit? Then the Father will give you whatever you Ask in my name. You see that? Third time he said this. Your job is to bear fruit. I've called you to bear fruit. How's it going to work? You're going to ask. And that's how we get things done in my kingdom. And then the fourth and fifth passages are in John chapter 16, where we are word today. So let's look at these again. Sixteen in verse uh, 23, in the middle of the verse. <coughs> I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be complete. He wants to partner with us. 
And then the fifth time he talks about it, verse 26, in that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I'll ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you. You have your own relationship because you've loved me and you've believed I've come from God. So five times in four chapters, Jesus talks about this. Now, uh, are you with me? This sounds pretty important. This is the last night he's with his men. He knows he's about to die. When you're about to die, if you have a chance to talk to those you love the most, you don't waste time talking about the, the uh, kind of mortgage rates for the price of gas. You, you're going to talk about what's most important in life to you. And this last night, he's talking with his men about the most important things, where he's going, his death and resurrection, the coming of the Spirit. He is not wasting words. And what I want you to catch is five times in four chapters, he talks to me, he says, this is the way it's going to work in my movement. I'm leaving. I've got the power. You're on earth. You've got the problems. We're going to partner, and this is the way it's going to work. You're going to let me know what you think needs to be done, and then then I'm going to answer, and we're going to partner together to change this world. See? Now, in fact, next week in John chapter 17, we'll see this in John chapter 17 is a whole prayer of Jesus where he's modeling everything he's teaching about prayer here. As he's going to pray for, he's going to pray for the movement. He's going to pray for his followers. He's going to pray for you and I. And next week, the whole chapter is a prayer of Jesus. So, pretty important stuff. Now, when you think about prayer, and you think about asking, whenever I read these passages, the image that comes to my mind is spiritual warfare. Uh, and, you know, the Bible says we're, we're in a war, we're spiritual warfare, but the image that comes to my mind is back in the Gulf War, back in the early 90s. Now, I realize that some of you weren't born then. Um, but for those of us who were, and old enough to remember, um, the thing I, I remember about that war was it was the first time, remember CNN was there, and it was kind of the first time you, you kind of actually saw Battlefield stuff like real time. And one of the things I remember is it was the first time that I, that I can remember that they introduced, they started using things like smart bombs and laser-directed missiles and stuff. And I remember just being amazed. Uh, I don't know if, you, if, if you're uh, alive and old enough to remember at that time, but you remember that like on CNN, they, they would show like, uh, they would, they would show a particular factory that's going to be destroyed or something, and then they would like see this like laser bomb being directed into like the stovepipe of the factory or something. You're like, it's amazing. And what would often happen in those scenes is what would happen is we would send our advanced forces in, often like special forces or uh, you know a recon or something like that. And these these special forces they would go in and they would scope out an area and then they would call headquarters and they would say. Uh, Here's where we need to strike. And they give the coordinates. And then headquarters, of course, they had the, the power. And so then they would send the strike in. And, and then boom, that thing would be destroyed. And then the movement, that kind of your, your forces would move forward in, the, in this war. And I remember thinking at the time what a perfect analogy this is of prayer. That, that we're part of Christ's kingdom. Our, our job is to advance the movement of Jesus. And we're, we're like on the ground. And, and Jesus is like at headquarters. And so what we're doing as we go forward and, and it's like in your family, uh, as we go forward in your PTA, as we go forward in your classroom, as we go forward in your college, as we go forward in your place where you work, on the Little League field where you coach, as we go forward in this community, that we're the forces of Jesus. And what we do is when we see something that we say, Jesus would like to change this. If he were here, he would like to change this. This is what we do. We put in a call to headquarters, and we say, uh, Jesus, uh, we would like this to happen, a strike right here. And so this is kind of a perfect picture of the way prayer works 
is that as his followers expanding his kingdom, we're on the ground, he's got the power, we come to him, we ask for what he would ask for if he were here, and what, what would bring God honor and glory, and kind of show the world who he is, and this is, kind of, this, this is the way it works. So, um, <clears throat> this image of prayer, uh, I put there uh, a couple quotes on your, uh, uh, on your note sheet. See, this is what the Bible talks about, that we are in this spiritual war, and God has placed us in these strategic places. So there in your note sheet, a couple of quotes. Uh, one from John Piper. He's from the Midwest. Um, does anything good come from the Midwest? Yes. Uh, John Piper. Just kidding. Um, I'm still bitter over the years I spent in Chicago. Uh, John's a famous uh, author and uh, uh, a pastor back there. And he says this. He says, we see repeatedly in Scripture that prayer is a walkie-talkie for warfare, not a domestic intercom for increasing our conveniences. The point of prayer is empowering for a mission. Are you with me on this? See, we're the movement of Jesus. And this is the whole paradigm. You're going out, you're going out of my name to expand, and so as you go, we're gonna partner together. That's what he's saying in John 14 through 16. Um, next one by S.D. Gordon, who's a man who lived in a previous century. Uh, he wrote a little book called Quiet Talks on Prayer. The purpose of prayer is not to persuade or influence God, but to join forces with him against the enemy. This is good stuff, huh? The next one, Oswald Chambers, probably heard of him, my utmost for his highest daily devotional guy. He says, a prayer does not fit us for the greater works. He's really commenting here on John 14, 12, that passage we looked at. Prayer doesn't fit us for the greater works. Prayer is the greatest, is the greater work. Remember, Jesus said, you'll do greater works and what, what Oswald is saying is that we often think of prayer as, hey, prayer is what I do to go get right with God so that I can go out and do something important. What he's saying, no, 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 prayer is the greater work. It's how we get things done. Asking is the way we get things uh, done. So, uh, okay, so there's the big picture principle. Now, we have a couple important questions to ask us as Christ's followers. Here we go. There in your note sheet, number one. The first question then that flows out of this teaching of Jesus is, number one, is are you staying connected? And of course, this flows out of his teaching that we looked at with the vine and the branches, that he says, um, I'm the vine, you're the branch. I want you to be fruitful. If you remain in me, stay connected to me, and my words stay connected in you, you're following my teaching, then you can ask for whatever you want, and I will do it, because this is how you'll bear fruit. But the condition is staying connected. So the question is, um, are you in your life, are, are you staying connected? Are, are you connected with him? Are you, are you walking in obedience right now? Are you pleasing him? The best of your knowledge, are you living the life he's calling you to live? You know, is there anything in your life that you know, this is, hey, this is really out of line he's been talking to me about, and I've been rejecting it, and then we wonder why our prayers aren't answered. You see, um, the, the question is, are you staying connected? It's where we need to begin. There in your note sheet, uh, Dallas Willard's a philosophy prof at USC and uh, a great Christian leader, and he, he says, uh, he defines prayer like this. He said, I believe the most adequate description of prayer is simply talking to God about what we're doing together, which is good. And so the question is, are you staying connected with God so you can have that conversation? Now, number two, the second question 
is are you asking? <clears throat> this is kind of the obvious question, are you asking? Uh, we've seen that asking is the way to get things done, so the question is, well, are you asking? Now, there's a couple ways to ask. There's probably more than this, but let me give you a couple ways to ask, and I want to I give them to you real quickly and then just define them, and then we can talk about it. Um, the two ways to ask are uh, quick and deep. All right, we're going to have two ways, kind of two kinds of prayers, quick and deep. All right, those down. Let me explain what I mean. A quick prayer is, uh, I like to think of it as like a text message to God. Okay? So, you know how this is. Uh, my wife, you know, texts me, you know, when are you coming home? I say, I don't know. She says again, yes. Now, yeah, that's how it is, you know. Uh, it's just a quick message. Um, it's, a, it's a quick uh, uh, shoot them up type of thing. And so one of the things we're called to as Christ followers is that as we're out there throughout the day, that this is one of the things we're supposed to do, right? That just is, we're just going to shoot up quick prayers. I, I was thinking last night when I was teaching um, about this, and I, uh, I was thinking the illustration, like whenever I get a call at the office, not necessarily all the time, but I'm going to call at the office so it's a ministry context. As I'm reaching for the phone, there's always a prayer that's going off my mind. And it's like, God, I don't know what's on the other end of this call, but help me to be helpful, you know? And you're just kind of shooting it up. Uh, this is the prayer. You're, you're driving on the freeway and someone comes to mind. And you're just like, hey, God, would you just be, be with them right now? It's a prayer. You're someone in your family. You, could just, you look and you just tell they're having a tough day. You're just, hey, would you just be with them right now and give them strength? Or, you, you know what I'm saying? These kind of quick prayers. So that's kind of one kind of prayer. I think it's like text, text message prayers. Um, a second kind of prayer is uh, what I call deep prayers. And, and these are prayers we're really having more of a deep conversation. This is more the type of thing where you're meeting with a friend at Starbucks because you want to catch up, and you've set aside some significant time. You're not just you know, texting them. You're actually sitting down and saying, what's happening in your life, and here's what's happening in my life, and we're having a deep conversation. And so, uh, of course, we need to have this kind of conversation with Jesus, too. Jesus talks about closet time. You, know, you go into your closet to, to pray with your father. Um, and so both parts are, are important, and they, they tend to play off of one another. Um, I don't know if you've experienced this in your life, but I found this in my life. When I'm spending my deep time with God on a regular basis, what happens, I'm much quicker to do the quick prayers. It's just like we're somehow we're in touch, our relationship's good, we're connected, and so you're just driving on the freeway. I just find it much quicker to just be praying about things that are coming to mind because I've kind of established this relationship. So there's an there's a interrelationship between quick and deep. They kind of feed one another. Um, now, here's the thing. I think for most of us as Christ followers, that if you had to say which of the areas do we need to grow the most, probably for most of us, it's probably in the deep. Uh, my hunch is that for most of us, we're, we're, we're better with a quick, kind of shoot them up prayers. In fact, often when I talk with Christ followers about spending time with God, what they'll say is, well, I'm often talking to God throughout the day, but I'm just not very good at that spending time with him alone sort of thing. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, Jesus models this for us. We're called Christ followers here. We're following him, so we're supposed to be doing what he does. And there in your note sheet, you see this, this model in his life. In Luke chapter 5, it's a time in his life when life's getting very busy for him. And uh, it's early in his ministry. His popularity is starting to go through the, the roof. And so it says, <clears throat> the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. 
Now catch this. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now, isn't that interesting? That as his life gets really busy, he finds he has to get real intentional about getting alone with God. Now, why is he doing that? I think partly to just nurture his relationship with his father. That's a big part of it. But another big part of it is Jesus understands this principle that prayer is the way, asking is the way you get things done. And he realizes that in his ministry, things are not going to happen unless he's asking. In fact, we'll see him model that next week in John 17 as we see him asking. And so Jesus models this for us. So uh, this is an important part of being a Christ follower. And uh, one of my favorite passages on this whole topic of asking is in Ephesians 6. And I put it there in your note sheet. It's an interesting passage. You're actually going to be studying it in your life groups this week. But it's a passage on spiritual warfare. Remember, earlier we talked about asking as part of spiritual warfare, use that analogy, but the Bible actually uses that analogy. And in in Ephesians 6, uh, basically it goes like this. You're in a spiritual war, that you have a real enemy. He's out to destroy you, so you need to be on high alert. And you need to put on the armor of God. And so Paul talks about uh, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shield of faith. But one of the tools he talks about, uh, one of the weapons, is prayer. And here's how he he puts it. He says in verse uh, 618, your note sheet, he says, pray in the spirit. In other words, when you go to your time of prayer, be sensitive. Throughout the day, the Holy Spirit may be tapping you on the shoulder for one of these quick prayers. Hey, you need need to talk to the Father about this. You're going to bring someone to your mind or a situation. Uh, in our time of deep prayer, I know for me that when I, I spend time with God, there's such an attitude of re- receptivity. Like I'm not so much going with my agenda. I'm more like, what's your agenda for this time together? And, and what's on your heart? What's he going to bring to my mind to pray about? What's, what's the Holy Spirit going to bring to our minds and impress us to pray about? So, so what's the Spirit saying? So he says, pray in the Spirit and pray on all occasions, you know, quick, deep, your whole life. With all kinds of prayers and requests. So some of those can be short, some can be quick, some can be uh, praises, some can be different kinds. He says, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints, all the Christians. So he says, remember, we're in a war, and so we need to cover each other's back. I got your back, you got my back. You know, uh, I see you going through a tough time. I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm covering you. I hope you're covering me, that sort of thing. In our life groups. Man, this is one of the reasons it's so important to break our church into small groups because we can really have each other's backs in small groups, can't we? I know what's going on in your life. You know what's going on in mine. We can cover each other in that way. And so the question is, um, you know, are, are we staying connected and are we asking, whether it's the deep or whether it's the, the quick, are we asking? You know, we started the day with a story of this uh, 71-year-old man that was on this ocean liner heading for the coast of Canada. And uh, this, this fog said it's been there for 24 hours. He's, it's a Wednesday. He's supposed to get there by Saturday. And uh, so he heads up to the, the bridge. Now, he's a very famous guy. Uh, some of you will recognize his story. Some of you will recognize his name. But, but his name is George Mueller. And uh, George is a guy that God used in an amazing way in the 1800s and like I said, he, he ran these orphanages. And over his lifetime, he took 100,000 orphans off the streets of England at a time when there were no social services. 
And the interesting thing about George is early on in his life, he felt like God called him to approach his ministry in a very unique way. He felt like God called him to not publicize his financial needs at all, but simply to ask God, kind of based on passages like this that we've been talking about, just to ask God to supernaturally meet his needs. So he had no email, no fundraisers, no support systems, but he just would pray and God would supernaturally provide for these orphans. He didn't have any wealth himself. He would supernaturally provide. So over the course of his life, he really grew in this area of prayer. And he grew in his faith. And, and so on this particular day, he walks up to the captain's bridge. He introduces himself. They never met. And he says, I'm Georgian. So I need to get to uh, Quebec. On, by Saturday, I'm, I'm speaking there. And the captain said, there's just absolutely no way that's going to happen. Can you see this fog? If you can't even see in front of your face, like, what are you thinking about? And George says, look, I, I'm not really looking at the fog. I'm, I'm looking at the living God who controls every circumstance of my life. For 52 years, I've been speaking for him. I've never once missed an engagement. I believe he wants me there. Now, either you can get me there or he'll find another way. But I just wanted to talk with you about it. So the guy looks at him like he's crazy. And so George says, can we go down the chart, the chart room where we can pray? And so the guy says, okay, he's kind of a nominal believer. The, the captain's sort of a nominal believer, not really a, a true Christ follower, but he's just kind of, he's raised in church kind of thing. And so they go down, we get down there to the chart room. George says, let's kneel down. So they kneel down. And George prays like a little kid, like to his father. He just says, um, Father, uh, you know that I, I need to get to Quebec by Saturday to speak. I, I believe that's what you want for me. So if this is your will, would you remove this fog? And would you remove it in five minutes? <laughs> and so he says, amen. And the captain starts to pray. And George puts his hand on his shoulder and says, that won't be necessary. He says, first of all, I know that you don't really believe God can or will do this. And secondly, I know he's already done it. He said, for 52 years, I've never failed to achieve kind of a, uh, a reception from the king. And I know he will not fail me today. You can go check the door. And the man, the captain gets up, he walks to the door, and that fog that had been so thick for 24 hours was gone. And George made it to Quebec by Saturday, and he spoke for Jesus. Isn't that an awesome story? I wish it were my story. <laughs> you know? It's really tempting, you know? Well, it was about 10 years ago, and I was on an ocean liner, and... And I told that captain, and, uh, and uh, then it's just in the name of Jesus. And, you know, but I wish I had a story like that. I, I don't really have a story just like that. Um, but I tell you what, I, I want to have some stories like that in my life. You know, I, I want to get better at this. Like, do you want to get better at this? Yeah. Like, I want to get better at this. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, me too. That's how I feel. It's like. You know, this week as I've been preparing this message, I've had some honest conversation with Jesus. Like, I want to get better at this. Like, like I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to waste my life. I want to be part of something that's going to last forever.
Like, I, I want to see lives change forever. I, I want to see the Father receive glory, for the world to see what he's really like. I, I'm sick of the world looking at God the way they look at God. Like, I, I want people to see him as he is. And I, I, this is a passion. Now, I want to get better at this. And I, I want to be part of a church that's better at this. I, I don't really have time to spend my life in a church just come to church and just do church. Like, what's that about? Like, like our job is to change the world. That's our job. If we're not changing the world, then, then what are we here for, right? Like, we're here to introduce people to Jesus and let them change them from the inside out, and their life is never the same, and set generations in motion. Do you realize that when one person comes to Jesus, generations' ripple effect go into motion? But when one person comes to Jesus and he changes their life, and then he changes a family, and he changes those the kids that come from that, and the generations begin to change. See, that's what I want to be about. I think that's what you want to be about. That's what we all want to be about. And so the question is, Jesus is saying to us, okay, then let me tell you how this works. You stay connected with me. You go through life. When you're coaching your little league team, your job, your family, your marriage, uh, your neighborhood, and when you see something you think I would like to do, I want you to start asking for me. And don't give up. He taught many places to be persistent. Don't give up. I want you to keep asking because together you and I are going to partner and we're going to change the world. Let's pray. Father, you're such powerful words. And sometimes they're mystifying. They're so straight out there. They're so all comprehensive, Lord. And we don't understand many times why we don't experience more of this. But today, I think, Lord, we're getting a little clearer view of what it takes to stay connected and then to be asking, whether it's quick or whether it's deep. And so, Lord, we want to be those people. We want to be those life-changing people. We want to be the world-changing people. We want to be part of something that lasts forever. We want the world to see you for who you are. And so, Jesus, we pray that you would come and teach us personally by your spirit the meaning of these words, that if we ask, you'll answer if there's anything in our life that's getting in the way, we're not connected with you, and that's why it's not working. We pray you'd bring this up to us this week so we could get that straightened out, and we could turn from that and, and change and, and, and follow you. We pray for this as a church, that we would learn as a church how to ask and receive that our joy might be full and that your kingdom might go forward. We pray this in your name. Amen.